1: Hey, Freedom Sisters and listeners. Thanks for joining me again today for another phenomenal episode of our podcast, The Freedom Challenge Online. You know, we recently finished our first ever, first ever backpacking challenge relay. So we've done backpacking before, but this one, it was special because it was a relay. And five teams of women made the epic journey through the John Muir Trail. Incredible. It started on July 18th and it finished August 17th. That's a lot of miles, my friend. Five teams of women, 31 total participants, hiking from the Yosemite Valley to the epic Mount Whitney, which, my friends, is the highest mountain in the continental U.S. This is a huge accomplishment. Not to mention that Mount Whitney is where the Freedom Challenge Vision was birthed in the heart of Kathy Anderson nine years ago. Very significant. Listen to this. These ladies covered 236 miles. No, listen, 236 miles. They raised just under 150000 And that came through 282 generous supporters, peer-to-peer fundraising. And as you know, but I will remind you, all of those funds go to help vulnerable women and children around the world. And as we're hearing in the news, with so many heartbreaking things happening in Afghanistan and Haiti, there is so many, a heightened level of vulnerable women and children in the world. I'm so grateful. But not only that, we had 137 prayer partners joining us. It was a symphony of praise and intercession going on for five straight weeks from team to team to team every day, raising their voices on behalf of those who have not discovered their voices or their voices have been muted. Lots of women joining together on this challenge. And I have to say, there were a few men prayer partners too. So, way to go, dudes. So, on the previous episode, I had three remarkable women from team three Deidre. Cindy, and Carice, they all joined me to share their testimonies from this challenge. And in this episode, we will have one more freedom sister sharing her story. And I'm so honored and excited and heart doing little cartwheels to have Dawn Hesse come and join me and talk about her experience. So Dawn, I have known for a long time. This sister has been in my life for a lot of years, sort of one of those people that you have an ongoing history with that has had its peaks and don't talk for a while and then talk again. And so her joining in the Freedom Challenge in this season and being a part of a woman who I greatly admire her life, but also have been able to be at the front row seat of the transformation that God has done In her in this particular season, it's been a highlight for me. And I know that you are going to enjoy hearing about her journey and her story. So I want to welcome Dawn Hesse. And Dawn, thank you for coming on today. So can you introduce yourself to our listeners, share a little bit about who you are, who you love, what you do, and some things that you're passionate about?
0: Hi, Tracy. Sure. Um, first of all, it's an honor to be here today and to talk with you. Um, I'm Don Hesse. I live in San Diego. And probably my greatest passion is my family. I have three grown kids, and they've given me three amazing um, more kids. Uh, I have two sons and a daughter. And um, they have all given me grandchildren. And so I have four grandchildren from five to 14 months old. And Mm -hmm. one more will be coming in January and I'm super excited. Um, Our grandkid team is three boys, two girls when January, when our new little girl shows up. And so I absolutely love doing family. It's the thing that I think God um, knew I ached for. And so I love my family and I love um, spending time with them. But I also love what I'm doing now and being part of Freedom Challenge as well.
1: Mm -hmm. I love how you love your family, Dawn. You, I mean, those of you who know me know that I would love to have a grandchild. And who knows, Drew, if you're listening to this, my only daughter, <laughs> I ache for a grandchild. And every time I hear about your shared experiences with your little people, my heart flutters with anticipation for what that will be. And I don't know many people who have done the joy and the delight of grandparenting more than you and George. Like, you both just light up when you talk about these little people. Pure delight. I love watching that in you. Hey, not to fill in the gaps here, but I do know that you're a pretty rock and gardener, too. <laughs> and I'd like to make that as a notable thing about you, because- that's another thing about you, Dawn. When I listen to you talk about your gardening and your working in the land and your cooking and all of these magnificent things, you didn't brag about yourself enough. So I need to brag about you. <laughs> this woman does home and feeding people and gardening and all of that so well. And I'm always inspired by these things about you. But I'm also inspired about how I've watched you join the Freedom Challenge and have been able to train with mm-hmm. you. And just sort of be in community, which is a large part of what I think the vision of Freedom Challenge, that do it together part, provides is this talking training, being on those trails, anticipating what's coming together. So can you share some more about how you it came to be that you joined the Freedom Challenge and then why you have decided, you know, to do this challenge that you just did, but others in the future. I'd love to hear more about that.
0: Yeah. I freedom challenge came about 2019 when you invited me to go to Moldova and it, um, it wasn't actually too far. It wasn't, it was pretty close to when we were going. And, um, so it was a little, um, surprised and excited, but I was questioning and I will have to say my dear husband really encouraged me and I'm so thankful for that and for George, um, because he could he probably saw that I was coming to a place where my kids are grown and grandkids are coming and my time of having to manage a house and help him with business was was um you know I was kind of wanting of something and he he is always understood. I always want want to um do what God wants me to and I'd always been sitting sort of waiting the mom's wait sort of, so to speak is you spend so many years um, working and helping others to accomplish and do what you see, what you think and believe God has destined for them and your kids and your husband and so on. And so he strongly encouraged me to go on that trip to Moldova and it transformed the way I saw the world. It was my first time and only time so far international trip I, um, just the experience of traveling was new and exciting. Um, but I actually loved as we landed in Moldova, I fell in love like almost right away with these people that, um, were striving, but with the graciousness and a beauty that was for a very poor country, it was actually a very beautiful country in my mind, um, and it's interesting because just in what I looked up before going was it was the you know the Garden of Eden of Russia in the day, and it's very agrarian. Which, as you spoke about the gardening, my husband's name actually means farmer, and so um, George, and he 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 is always farmed. He grew up on a farm, so that whole agrarian draw was very big deal to me. Um, then we got around eleven and fourteen year old girls, and that was a bit terrifying. Um, but again reality of what Freedom Challenge was about, and that we were there to help encourage and hopefully prevent these girls being drawn into a world of trafficking with the hopes, you know, getting enticed by the hopes of becoming a manicurist in Italy that we heard from one young girl and things like that. And um, realizing, or actually it was starting to develop a realization in me that had I been born in this era, I may have. Had need of a conference to help me and a camp to help me understand what being groomed and recruited would have been about. So,
1: wow, Dawn, can I just pause you right there? Because even mm-hmm. last night, you know, we were on a trip and you don't have to go too extensively about that, but just the fact that the Holy Spirit allowed you to see. Is you actually named two ages that I know. Mm -hmm. And again, you don't have to get too deep into them, but your vulnerability as an 11 year old and a 14 year old, I imagine that you being able to see in that context, like raising your your eyes up, as you just stated about God's protection over you in what could have easily been a groomed young woman to head into some of these lives that you would never have imagined. So I, I really, um, see that connection there in that story and, you know, just want to honor, just take a moment even just to honor the Lord in the process of him bringing further revelation to some places in your life that had been broken or had places of vulnerability as well. All right, continue on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is, it is interesting because when I actually started on this John Muir trail, I wrote down and, and I've told you about it a couple of times is Philippians 3, 12 through 14, and that there's something about pressing on and forgetting what is behind but, you know, but mm. pressing on or straining towards what God has ahead of you. Um, and we'll kind of maybe circle back to this a little bit later, but there is something good about looking back because I've been able to look back and see what God has protected me from, like you've said. And um, in, a, in a day of um, social media, this growing burden in me for the enslaved sex trafficking um, domestic slavery um, I mean we have a, a today's current events we are watching and at my heart because I want God to protect these girls that there is a you know Afghanistan they' they're waiting to be able to take women 12 to 45 as their their um, you know proceeds of war and and conquering and so my heart is breaking but um, at the same time I know that God has given me, an ability and a passion mm-hmm. to first pray and intercede on their behalf, on a worldview that is is a favoring towards women, towards the gift that God gave Adam through all of the generations, all of these years. That you know, there there ha- that I, my heart is that um, men would surrender and God would have authority, and we would you know surrender to His authority mm-hmm. to protect everyone. Um, so, and that's, you know, out of Moldova grew this passion. And as I've gotten closer and God has worked in me, on me, through me, I have come to want to be a part of the freedom challenge. Mm. And honestly, having done research over the years for different organizations, the fact that every donation that I can, I can honestly tell every person that donates a dollar, it goes, every dollar goes to helping someone to be um, taken out of to help prevent all of it. We're, we're all working together. And if somebody else can't do the hiking or go on a mission trip, I'm willing to go and do it. And so that's pretty much how I got involved. You, you drug me into this and I am so glad (laughs) I'm so thankful. Mm -hmm. Um, because as you know, the world turned upside down, we went to Moldova 2019, we came into 2020 and February, we did a, a little hike. That I thought I was going to die. And because I was so out of shape, so unprepared prepared to do this, it was really just like a three or four, three mile hike, maybe. Um, and then once again, learning that in our country, our sporting events actually bring in billions of dollars in prostitution and sex trafficking and slavery.
1: I want to just pause here and say I remember that first mm-hmm. hike. It was actually during. The Super Bowl, we, we encouraged women to go on sort of these symbolic prayer hikes, looking at the problem in our own country, as you so wonderfully stated. And I remember that first hike, year one, and the struggle on your little face, and then one year later, doing it again in preparation for what was Mount Baldy, and then the John Muir Trail, and how much exponential growth in you physically, in your pace, in your perspective, in your worldview, all the things you said, but just being a person watching that and knowing what it cost you. I know there's been times that you've even shared with me how your family, your husband, your children are going, what's happening with mom? What's What's going on? Because you really, you would say, and you know, I'm not trying to rat you out here. That that exercising and engaging physically was not part of your spiritual journey. They were very disconnected. So, I I'd like to hear a little bit more about that piece before we continue on with the actual John Muir Trail.
0: <laughs> well, as I um I started actually Annie Phipps, who I met in Moldova. When we got home, I reached out because I knew she had done some other challenges. And I was not really understanding fully what the challenges were. But I also knew that she hiked and reached out, mm-hmm. asked her if she would, you know, it to hike. And we did. Um, and I started developing a friendship with her. And she really helped train me and shape me and to believe that I could become, phys- I could physically exert my body and I wouldn't die. I wasn't going to have a heart attack. I wasn't going to, you know, die of exhaustion. I was going to make it. And um, even though I really whined and complained, I, f- I feel like sometimes poor Annie had to um, drag me along as a toddler. I started to really realize the benefit of being in nature. Just seeing boulder formations, how rocks are laid, how, you know, your plants, indigenous plants, or um, doing a trail and it has a sign that's got a, you know, a, a cougar warning or bobcats. And you realize there's wildlife. There's a whole ecosystem outside of, you know, my little track to Trader Joe's and, you know, my daily gardening or whatever I'm doing. There was such a bigger world outside of this. And, um, I started to realize that that's where you can really see God you can really hear him you can feel the holy spirit it's it is that yeah. that where um uh where the very rocks will cry out and worship him because when the wind is rustling through the trees and so on you you start to kind of hear the song and mm. um a couple of times i've gone on hikes by myself which is super cool because you do get to you it's just you and your breathing and talking to the lord and you start to hear things sometimes it's terrifying cuz i'm afraid you know something's going to jump out of the bush and scare me, or there's going to be a snake or rattlesnake or something. But even in that, I've, I've come to realize that God created all of these things to dovetail together and work together. And so that's part of, it's become part of my healing, um, both physically. um, You know, I lost quite a bit of weight doing it. Um, changing my diet up because you can't eat junk food apparently, and really hike unless you're on a backpacking trip, which we'll get to that probably at some point too. Um, but <laughs> thank you. But you you start to realize as a way of life in order to maintain, you you have to change some things about physically. So in that physical changing, it helped m- helped me mentally and from a you know a physiological biological level it literally increase my serotonin levels because once you're outside in the sun your D all of these things happen you, you know your your body starts to thrive.
1: Yes and amen I think of the scripture in him we breathe and move and have our being and it just ties together what we've been concentrating on the last few months about this body soul spirit, this triune being and how all of it fits together for wholeness and wellness as a whole person, the way that God made us. And this idea that you're connecting to movement, connecting to God, to connecting to breathing, to being immersed in his creation. It makes you want to like spread that message because you know how much it will benefit those who operate in the way that God actually made us little human beings, embodied people in these little earth suits. It it is um, just absolutely true. So now we need to go to the John Muir Trail because you committed to this epic thing. It started off with the regional challenge, Cactus to Cloud, which one day I know you will do. And through COVID, moved to Baldy. And then Baldy moved to the John Muir Trail, backpacking relay trip, team two. Would you crack that open? Maybe share a key moment, a story that impacted you in this trip. Just give us a little, like, high level, like, let us see you on the trail of team two. What happened?
0: <laughs> well, first of all, I was supposed to be joined by my dear friend, Tracy Doherty.
1: Oh. Um, and that's
0: a whole side story. But
1: It's so sad. <laughs> I got COVID, everyone. And that will be another podcast to tell you about my personal challenge when I figure it out. But it was so sad, wasn't it? How did that, I mean, uh
0: It was. And it was, so, it was so last minute that I, I, it was difficult. There was no maneuvering around it. And in some ways for me, it was probably beneficial because I didn't have that comfort to lean on. I had to go into this with people I absolutely did not know. Met them, you know, three of the ladies from a Zoom meeting starting earlier in the year and really just maybe a handful of times did we have have a handful of zoom meetings um and and then was your spot was replaced by someone else that was from california um but i was still excited to go i still i trained really hard to do this and the first time i put you know 20 pounds on my back i thought oh dear lord how am i supposed to carry 35 and um As I was training going into this, I will tell you one thing that was super encouraging is my son-in-law, Eric Dean, I walked this trail with him up in where my daughter lives in the mountains, in the Sierra Nevada mountains and was walking with him. And he was so encouraging um, because as going into this, I felt very slow and so on. But he, he told me, you know, I think you have a really good backpacking pace and he's done quite a bit of backpacking and all of that. And at the end of the day, he asked me, I have our little hike and we did, it was about eight miles. And he asked me how heavy my pack was, and I said, "I don't really know. I think it's right around 27 pounds or something. I can't remember." And he took it off and put it in the car, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, that's over 30 pounds. This is a 20 and I in it and this was two weeks before this trip, and I realized I'd I'd been able to do it, um, so that was going into it. However, when I get there on a Tuesday, on Tuesday prior to and Wednesday when I woke up with vertigo and vomiting, I was. I felt devastated. I felt like I had been broadsided and not um, not able. Not, I was afraid. I, all of a sudden, these fears started coming in. And fortunately, Cindy on our team instantly went to prayer, went to the prayer team. And when you mention 137 people that had been praying over this time, I felt the weight of it. Honestly, felt the weight of being prayed for. It was so humbling. And so by the afternoon, we took a little, little hike there in Mammoth, right around a little lake. And I, I felt like, okay, I can do this. I have to press on. I have to strain towards this goal. And so, you know, we had, before we even started, I was, I had this hurdle, but within 24 hours, I was feeling better. Now I will say every single day I woke up with vertigo. I was not vomiting, but I woke up and I felt the vertigo, but I, have, I I was able to get up, get going, get my stability, get my balance going. And off we go. And, um, coming into, um, you know, pack, 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 backpack packing class was. Wait,
1: let's pause there. We do give a class (laughs) called pack school. It's pretty cool. Yes.
0: (laughs) And the best expression of all of it, Susan says, okay, ladies explode your pack. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, I love this term. I don't know why, but explode your pack just sounds like I'd kind of like to blow this thing up, but
1: not. And then they strip you down of all the things you thought you needed. Yes, and you, don't they, you lay
0: everything out and you're you're like, and all of a sudden you start realizing like, am I really going to need this? Am I going to need that? And so, and I had early on decided I'm not taking my phone. I'm going to make this something of a technology fast in a way I'm, I will have you know, I had it, but I didn't want to carry a battery pack. I'm not especially good at taking pictures. And I, I knew that there would be people that on this team, because there always is people who are really good at it. And I would be able to get those photos. So not having my phone, it was a big deal, but it was also kind of a relief. And so pack school was very interesting. And when we, we did pack school, we got our bear cans. And then you get to go through the buffet of everything I no longer eat on a daily basis, all spread out on a picnic table and a campsite in Mammoth, which included Snicker bars and Oreo cookies and, um, carnation instant breakfast and granola and trail mix. Lots of things I don't eat normally. Um, and I started listening to our guides, Jane and Susan and, and their experience. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to roll like these girls roll because, they've done this. And I, you know, I, I, God has my back. So how, how is this going to go wrong? And I'm so, so thankful. I grabbed a couple Snicker bars and some Oreo cookies and um, instant breakfast. I made my own little muesli out of my trail mix. And so, so you talk about the cooking, I'm, I'm like shredding up dried apples and little bits of mango in my Instant breakfast with some granola, and I'm cooking it. And they're like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I'm like I make a muesli because instant breakfast is disgusting. <laughs> so it was, it was this fabulous buffet of food. So we fill our bear pa- bear cans and promptly put them in this big metal cabinet to keep the bears from getting them. And go through the night, go to sleep. One forty five, woke up. I hear a bear snorfing around our tent. And, um, oh my. <laughs> um m- myself and Lynn had put our, uh, backpacks under the fly of the tent. And I hear the bear pulling her backpack out. Um, and, but it, and, it, and I'm like, I'm thinking she's so now Lynn has already done the first team. She was already on team one. So she's coming into this. She's already had some backpacking experience. I know she has nothing in it, but I honestly was trying to remember, do I have my chapstick in my backpack, which is on the other side of this tent? That is coconut flavored, and this idea because you, you have to put all those smelly things into this bear can because these bears can smell everything. Fortunately, the bear brings her backpack out, snorts around on it, scratches on it, and then oh, wanders my. off. And then you hear the big metal cabinet rattling of the bear, seeing if it didn't get closed all the way. So um, that was night one, and you were glad you listened um, to the
1: wisdom of the women
0: use the bear. Absolutely. Yeah. That trusted experience as, um, bulky and cumbersome. It was, it, it was a sense of security knowing that, um, I wouldn't have to worry about a bear coming around in my backpack or in in everything. And you, you quickly develop a system of making sure the chapstick gets in there every night and, um, just the, the where the placement of those went and things like that, but you you know we get started on day one and it's the most glorious. We go to Devil's Boast pile and it's beautiful. It's busy. There's a lot of people just sightseeing and camping and start up the, up the hill. Now we're we're starting to backpack and it it's now real. And um, the altitude that we started at, I I think was right around seven thousand, if I'm not mistaken, seventy five hundred feet in elevation. So you're starting to feel it. It doesn't take long to get short of breath. Muscles start to feel a bit fatigued, and um, uh, an Oreo works really well in that in that uh, in that setup there. So we get going, and um, you know we we were feeling the effects of it, and one of the team members was began struggling, but we're um, you know we, we're doing pretty well, and we're meeting so many people. I will have to say it was busy on the trail, the whole, all of the days. Um, And because we were a group of seven, people would ask, are you guys together? And so on. So we had a lot of opportunity to tell why we were there and what we were doing and our whole purpose. We got to spread awareness, um, which was really encouraging because people were Mm, encouraged that we were doing this and for the reason we were doing it. And so many people... Um, would say, you know, thank you for doing that. That's so needed. We, yeah, we need to do more to protect people, women and children and, and so on. And, and so it was, Mm -hmm. um, super encouraging.
1: Sounds like you got to herald the message on the mountains, right? Like that's true. Biblical, like herald the message. Yeah. Who's going to react negatively to that message? You know, like people's hearts are bent toward, yes. That's right. That's wrong. You know, unfair and unjust. Absolutely. Yeah. I can imagine some pretty, yeah, some pretty remarkable exchanges of information, of curiosity, of shock. And, you know, you never know when you have conversations like this what is in the story of that person and how God uses even your little summed up speech there to stir something in the soul that creates, um, you know, more, both more awareness, but also for those that carries, you know, stories of pain or shame, um, we can sometimes minimize those interactions, but when we're filled with the spirit, they really do provoke more work in the heart of of people. So I love that. Okay. So I have a question. Everybody has, um, you know, like, well, two things really, this big epic challenge moment, and then a funny story that would make you laugh. So let's start. Do you, I'll let you pick. Do you want to do the funny story, good memory, you're going to look back on and crack up? Or, and make sure you don't fully expose your girlfriends, because what happens on those trails stays on those trails. I know that, Dawn. Um, or, you know, that moment where you're like, I'm broken. I've hit the wall. I'd like to hear you share both of those moments on the John Muir Trail. You get to pick which ones first.
0: Oh, okay. So I, first is the funny one, because it happened on our first night camping. I broke out my chair. You and I talked about this, if we were getting a chair. And I bought myself a chair, this little one pound chair. And I was so excited. And then I realized I'm the only one with a chair which was the first like, okay, well, this feels odd, but you know what? I bought the chair and I really want to sit on the chair because sitting on the ground after hiking six or seven miles with, you know, this pack and it at this point, it's, it's all uphill. I want to sit in my chair. And so I put it together and I set it down and, um, now mind you, when we got to camp, I had already fallen over the strap to the tent and had to have, I punctured my hand on a log. So I had to have, already had to have first aid for that. And so I'm, I've, I've, stumbled a couple of times because I'm exhausted already. And, um, so, so I'm looking forward to the chair and I were making dinner and, um, I sit in this chair and I, and as I, I sit down and I just keep going and going and going backwards oh, and I end no. up flat on my back. And, and it was, everyone was laughing. It just, it was so funny. And they were like, you did that so gracefully. And I was, it was just the most comical of way to end the day of, of this looking forward to sitting on this chair and I fall, I fall out of it. I fall off of it. And now I realize I have to get my aching body up out of this chair. I now have to find a place for this chair. The chair became a problem right away.
1: The chair was a problem, and I feel like I misguided you because I must be the princess of the mountain because I'm like I'm bringing a chair. Everything else can, I'll not bring food before a chair. So, did you even <laughs> use the chair
0: after you fell over? Nope, never again. Oh <laughs> well, I moved it. So and every- I used it that night, and from then on, I, I I never I never used the chair.
1: So everybody listening, don't bring a chair. Although I gotta tell you, I you will still find me bringing my chair. So that says something about me.
0: So the challenge was um, we we had, as we got into day two, coming out of day two, there's a realization that we have not made it very far, and we're going to have to exit the trail a little bit earlier. And um, the guides decided, asked gave us an option if we wanted to take, part of us wanted to go up to Donahue Pass, and which overlooks Tuolumne Meadows, which was our orig- original exit. Or we could go to our... Third night campsite, and then X, ex- which is the place we would begin to exit out of there. Um, and I decided to go up to Donahue Pass and with um, uh, two other ladies. So there were four of us all together one guide and three of us ladies went up to Donahue Pass. And we did, however, get to at our junction to our new exit, got to drop our heavy backpacks and just carry fanny pack and water uh, for that part of the day. So that was nice, uh, to be able to sort of what you would kind of call a day hike. And off we go to Donahue pass and it goes, we're getting up into 11,000 feet is 11,300 feet. I think it is at the top of Donahue pass. And so it's, it's, it's strenuous. And as, as you get higher and higher in elevation, your breathing is challenged and you can feel it in your muscles and I'm tired. And this is day three of, of a lot of work. And we've been rained on a couple of days in a row now. And, things like that and so we get up we get going up and I'm we're about a thousand foot from the top and I decide I don't want to I, I don't think I can do this you girls are much faster and I'm really getting slow now so send them on ahead and um but I got up I made it up to the pass and as you know I was telling you I I was heading up and, and as I got closer I started praying Lord I need I want to do this I really need to do this I need to make this summit and got to the top, and I, I was in tears I, with joy, and everyone was cheering. It was just this great eight and a half a snicker as my reward. And now we have to start this descent back and pick up our backpacks and get to the campsite. We have to find, because we're not sure exactly where they've camped, because it's not like, you know, a campsite, a traditional campsite. It's a little patch of flat spot off the trail. Um, that the guides have found. So we start heading down and I know that sunset starts is, is about eight 30 and we're heading down somewhere about five o'clock and it's, it's going to take us more than three hours to get to wherever we're camped. And I'm realizing I'm going to have to do this in the dark, but I'm trying downhill, you know, we're moving a little bit faster and so on, get to our backpacks, eat dinner get our backpacks back on and now we start trekking on and you can feel dust coming. It's about seven 45. So we, we don't have a lot of time, um, before, you know, sunset hits and we're going into more tree cover. And so it's darker naturally from the tree cover. And, um, Susan has, our guide has told us, you know, get your lamp, your headlamp out. And, um, uh, I turn mine on right away because I don't, I want to, I want to come into the dark with a a light shining on the trail. And she says, no, don't do that. Turn it off. You need to, you need to let your eyes acclimate to the darkness and you, you have to wait as long as possible.
1: Trust the guides, right? Here we go again. Trust the guides. Trust.
0: (laughs) Yes. I have to trust, trust them and trust her. And she, she knows, and we're, we're, we're coming along and I'm, I'm doing okay. But as it gets darker and darker, I'm becoming more and more afraid. And I stop talking. Um, which is common for me if I get very stressed out or anxiety stricken, um, and to me it's pitch black mm. in my mind, and it it's not. And I turn my lamp on, and, and Susan, don't don't. I know you want to. I understand, but you really need to wait. And to me, it's it's dark. It is really dark, and the trail is narrowing, and you can see kind of a faint outline on my right where it's all downhill, and you know the rock on the left is right there, like a wall. And I begin to panic. I'm praying in tongues under my breath. I am begging God, just please get me through this because, um, and Susan asks if, if I'm okay, am I doing okay? Mm. And I said, no, I'm not. And she's, you know, what's going on? What, what, how can I help? And I'm like, you guys should ask if we're afraid of the dark, not just if we're afraid of heights, and she says, you're afraid of dark? And I said, I'm terrified of the dark. Yes, I'm afraid of the dark. And it was kind of a, a revelation. It was almost like a, oh, I didn't, you know, it's like grownups can't be afraid of the dark. But it is a true thing for me, <laughs> even in my own house. I have lights everywhere ah. um, that come on dusk to dawn within my house. I, I am. I, I'm afraid of bumping into things. I'm afraid of things that might jump out. And as it's getting darker, every upturned tree looks like a bear. Um, the trail is so narrow. And we're starting to come out of the narrow trail, which is helpful, but we're coming into a meadow and now this, this dog starts barking and I can tell it's a domestic dog. It's, (laughs) it's not like a coyote or a wolf. It's not howling or doing anything like that. Um, but it's, this dog is barking and it's, I can tell it's protecting whoever it's with, but it's terrifying. It feels very close. No idea if this dog is restrained. Um, Susan begins to give instructions to Lynn, who's leading us on the trail, on how to defend herself from the dog, if the dog should come and in, in charge. So, I'm, you know, we're listening to this instruction of how to defend ourselves, and it's fairly graphic, but all of a sudden, out of the darkness, this man's voice rings out, the dog is, is um, friendly. The dog is friendly.
1: You were ready then, to stab its jugular, I believe. You said
0: absolutely. Well, not have so. like the instruction. Swing at it and yeah. stab it. And and as yeah. as she said, stab it, go for the jugular, you hear a man say, the dog is friendly. And I say out loud, it does Well, what,
1: what is your friendly dog doing out here? Like, come on.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> um the next day we kind of laughed about it. But at the moment, I was terrified. Now I'm panicking a little bit. I can't see the guy does mention this guy, this gentleman mentions, you know, you guys really should have headlamps. At that point, I'm clicking my headlamp because I have gotten permission from someone in the darkness to turn on my headlamp, which by the way, a headlamp doesn't work on a ball cap because I can't see anything because my ball cap, the bill of my ball cap is blocking all of the light. So that's a fumbling mess. <laughs> I'm going through turning my hat, getting my cap off and getting my light back on. Anyway, this gentleman says, are you with those ladies that came through earlier in the day, which again is encouraging because they had been able to talk to this gentleman and let him know what we were about, what we we're from, that more of us were coming through and this and that. And he says, oh, I told him there's nothing else to camp. you got to go up to Jim Lake, which is like five or six miles more. And I'm exhausted. I'm done. I am panic breathing now. We're coming up on 13, 14 miles for the day, the longest, most miles I've ever done in one day. And oh my. I am, I'm freaking out of it. And, um, Susan is saying we can camp here. We can stop. And it's like, no, we got to get with our team. Just give me and just, and just get me to camp. Just get me there. And, um, I'm realizing I'm, I'm struggling to breathe because now the anxiety breathing has kicked in and I'm trying not to panic because, it is so difficult to cry and hike at the same time. I'm, I, I've it's happened several times, but it's so uncomfortable. So I'm trying to keep my composure. And then out of the darkness, I see a light over to the right. What is that light? <laughs> and all of a sudden, a headlamp. And it's Jane, the other guide. Our camp is right there. It's not far away. And now I'm I'm all of the tension that has built up as the darkness is building, I am it's starting to blow off like a pressure cooker. <laughs> this team is venting and I'm trying not to cry and get my backpack off. And Jane is helping me get my backpack off and backpacks off. And I start to blubber and Susan comes in and gives me honestly, one of the best hugs I can ever say I've ever had. I am not a hugger in general. Um, it was one of the best, most comforting hugs. And I could let it go and cry. And I beloved so hard from the fear, from the exhaustion, uh, the anxiety. All of these things had come to a head in that moment. And I can honestly say, though, that I still felt the presence of the Lord, even though it came out in such an emotional, um, stressful way. It was the best relief. And, you know,
1: <laughs> mm. I can feel it in your story, Dawn. And when I'm listening to you, um, I, I think about just what it feels like to really experience uh, this, you know, limits in your capacity, in your options and just this whole survival piece and how that just lays yeah. over your story and the story of the women that you're standing for and speaking on behalf of. And I'm I'm just encouraged yeah. by your words and I wish we had more time. Our time is coming to a close, but thank you for, you know, your your colorful picture of taking us on this journey. Mm-hmm. I think I would like you to give our listeners just a simple encouragement. Why would they continue with the freedom challenge or join a challenge because they've never gone? I mean, listening to all of this suffering and transformation, I mean, really, it's amazing. Just yesterday, you told me I'm ready to go again. Mm-hmm. So, just a quick short, uh, um, a quick snapshot. What encouragement would you bring?
0: I would say that because of how we live, how we go about life in our culture, um, it is. One of the least things we can do to bring awareness, raise money to prevent and help people that have been trapped or to help prevent, especially young girls, um, from being drawn into the enticements mm-hmm. of people that really want to own them as a commodity. Um, for us to to physically exert ourselves is yeah. such a small price. Yeah. It is honestly, the easiest thing we can do. We as a culture are so comfortable. We're so blessed. We have so mm-hmm. much. God has blessed us beyond measure. But may I say, in all of the stuff that I have up to, up to this, I lost, I lost sight because of how much I have to manage. That it kept me busy doing Is it important? Yes, my family is the most important and I have worked very hard for them. But you know what? Mm. It also kept me busy from actually digging in and helping those who cannot help themselves because in that darkness, when my light was only a little three by two inch square, that's when I realized I could have been an 11 year old on the trail to, I have nowhere, I I don't know. I just Mm -hmm. met people several days ago. They are drawing me into a dark spot. I have no idea what's gonna happen. I have no idea who is my ally. I have no idea who is going to protect me or save me. Mm -hmm. The only thing I know is that Jesus Christ is the only salvation in this. And because of that, he has, and the Father in heaven has blessed me with the ability to go out and tell people about an opportunity to help someone they will never meet. The women and children, Mm. girls in Afghanistan right now, now, They need our help and prayers because we can't even get in there to help them physically right now. So, the least we can do is to get outside, go on a challenge, go hike a mountain, find out how to create one yourself. Maybe it's a personal challenge, maybe it's a personal goal. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for me, coming to a place where I needed to do something bigger than my little circle was important for me. So I would say, you know, do one regional challenge. There's a, always a level that's accommodating to anyone at, at any physical place they are. The fundraising goals are really manageable. It, that's where I started. And sometime we can have a whole conversation about raising money because that's the hardest challenge for it was for me and the most terrifying. But in the end, God always meets you where he's asked you to go. He always does.
1: Well stated. Well stated, my friend. I'm so thankful to have you join us today to share your story. And I appreciate you, Don Hesse. And
0: I missed you. I really missed you.
1: Oh, thank you. Listeners, we have some challenges that are coming up, and as you've heard, these are experiences you won't want to forget and you won't forget. From the physical challenge of pushing your limits to the fellowship between like-minded women to joining and praying and advocating and raising funds and awareness for vulnerable women and children, these challenges are a unique experience that will change your life. Check out our website. We have the Mount Kilimanjaro 10th anniversary hike coming up. Lots of regional challenges that will be posted soon. I encourage you to go and check those things out even now. And I want to thank you for joining us today, for joining Dawn and I. And until next time, let's continue to do good by helping enslaved women and children do more than you ever thought physically possible and doing it together by connecting with women who have a heart for a hurting world.